doing my vocal warm-ups. Um, welcome, everybody. Now? No, no. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Let's leave this in. Welcome, yeah. everybody. welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe. I will finish the sentence. A podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Welcome to episode 50. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me always is my co-host, John Gillen. John, how are you? 50. Can you believe it? We finally yeah, did 50. it. Good, good God. Finally did it. Um, yeah, I feel like there should be like a balloon and some confetti and like maybe a little parade. And, and by a little parade, I mean like a tiny parade that sort of marches across my, my floor here. That would be, that would be really amusing. Yes. To, yes. To maybe like a, a Joe Satriani song or something. Yeah, yeah, like the summer song. I almost put that in for one of my, wait, wait for it. What's today? What are we doing today? Favorite today. solos? Favorite solos. Part you've two. Seen, you've Part you've two already two. seen it in, in the, the description. So favorite solos. Yeah, Hooray. there it is. Yeah, but yeah, yes, we actually, actually for, we want to do this. We want to do this for a while. It right? seemed and appropriate to do, to do it for number fifty. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, though I am excited about what we've got coming up as well, we've kind of had to push things back a bit. But uh, yeah, no, this should be good. So because we are doing favorite solos, we're going to forego this week's uh, lick of the week because it's not because of laziness. We just don't want to be giving you too much, too much great content and talking about stuff. <laughs> so we're going to jump right in content infinite content forever um we're gonna jump into gear talk uh, gear talk which is about nam now nam happened earlier was it last month john Somebody yeah said. so summer, summer yeah summer nam happened while i was in ireland and coincidentally you were also in ireland um but it happens in nashville every summer uh this year it was something like the 26th through the 30th of june so we are giving a belated recap of what we thought was really interesting. It took some time to gather info and things. So there's, there's a lot of really cool things. Was there something that you found particularly interesting? So, yeah, NAM, NAM's a weird thing. Every year it kind of comes out and it's just like, I remember that it's just what I love hearing about is like the pedals and the gear and the new things that are happening. But one thing that really struck me this year was it's all... I don't know if it's like this every year because I, I don't I don't look at the list every year, but a lot of it is artist series stuff. Now, art it's it's you know, and we've talked about artist series stuff before, but this year is just like really yeah, this in particular the summer. Like I didn't get that from uh, the usual winter Nam fest that happens in L.A., but this one just seemed like a lot. There was the Billy Joe one that came out for Epiphone. There's the whole release of the Eddie Van Halen 40th anniversary series. There was, and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff that really personally left me kind of like, eh. Oh yeah, yeah. Fender introduced the, yeah. uh, the Flea and Albert Hammond signature models. Michael Sweet with Washburn. Like, Michael Sweet. Like, I, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a few names. There's a few names, like ones that jumped out to me as being like really okay. Granted, you know, fucking, you know, another Eddie Van Halen pedal, another Eddie Van Halen guitar. Uh, we're not really yeah. surprised. But there's a few things that I was just thinking. Okay, I'm going to start with things I didn't like about this custom stuff, and then things I did like. As you mentioned, there's an Albert Hammond Jr. signature Fender. Now, I like the Strokes. I have time for them. I think that he writes yeah. interesting lines. 
but like it's but if you have a look at the guitar it's like what about 800 it's kind of a good mid-range price for uh, american fender mm. but it's albert hammond like that's not a selling point for me no i um yeah to me i look at it I don't, I don't necessarily see anything that's exciting and i guess that's kind of the thing the the big guys, Fender and Gibson, et cetera, and I've kind of bemoaned them a lot recently, though I think Fender is doing things better from a business perspective than Gibson, just came out with a bunch of really blasé yes. stuff. Uh, Gibson's new, the back-to-basics line that they came out with is really just, there's, there's nothing interesting in it. I, I think in some ways it's a good business move for Gibson, but they've got all these ridiculous, like, weird, faded paint colors and kind of like they did their tour van series earlier in the year which was made to look like some sort of 70s van or 60s surf van or something like that like a lot of nobody cares about these colors like if you want those colors have somebody paint it or go go through the custom shop no one needs faded beach color like do what do what you're good at and you haven't done that well in quite quite a while sorry i'm off off my gibson rant but (laughs) <laughs> no, that's all right. I, I might equally contest that. Now, don't get me wrong. Fender have brought out this new line of pedals. I think it's really cool that Fender mm-hmm. are like working on pedals and stuff, just bringing, you know, dipping their toe in the market. But uh, one thing that's always gotten my goat about, grinding my gears about uh, guitar companies, is them releasing uh, faded looking guitars, like road worn yeah. guitars. And Fender have just brought out a new, a new line. There's like a, a Relic 51 HS Tele for like 4,000 sterling. What? And a 60s roasted strap. Yeah, it's just like ridiculous. Okay. like custom shop stuff, but it's. So in, in, in that regard, here's the thing. I have found, uh, or I came across, Premier Guitar did an interview with, um, who was it? Uh, Clifton, Clifton Guitars. I was really impressed with these guitars. They're all about $1,500 a piece. They're, you know, handmade in the U.S., whatever you define as handmade. But most of them are made out of reclaimed wood. So they already have this, like, road-worn look to them and they do virtually nothing with the wood like they they don't they don't make it look aged it's already reclaimed right so it's got these like classic tones to it a lot of their telly bodies are hollow bodies they sound fantastic and again for 1500 bucks like it's a steal so yeah we we are ambassadors for smaller brands now we do think that the the big wigs are kind of losing their edges I mean, yeah, I, I would agree. I, you, sh- you sent me that video, and it was—they looked gorgeous. They, they were real, like you know, it's American wood. They were like, oh yeah, this is made from wood, like down the road. One was from like a pig shack or something. And I'm like, that's <laughs> exactly. cool. That's a story. You know, that's that's kind of what you want. Um, do I want a Jimmy Vaughn signature strat? No, Jimmy Vaughn doesn't <laughs> want a Jimmy Vaughn signature strat. I mean, exactly. Like. One of the weirdest things as well is that, you know, one of the pieces of gear that I am like looking for actively is a Miniwa. And I was like, oh, they, you know, uh, Morley has brought out three custom shop Miniwas for Mark Tremonti, Creed, really? Michael Amott, who? And DJ Ashford, that guy who filled in in Guns N' Roses? I mean, come what? on. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just like... The, the idea of slapping a name on something is really just, it's just starting to lose its touch. Like we've talked about this before. 
What's but the... I, I, I don't know. I feel like this particular name was just patently ridiculous. Like, really. They, it just, there was I, so much I, of it that I, I yeah. just, I couldn't, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Like, why? Why? I, I don't know. It, I, I don't know who buys this stuff. I, Clearly I somebody don't. does. Somebody is buying this stuff. I don't know if it's doctors and lawyers or whatever, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Not that I have anything against doctors and lawyers, by all means. Buy what you're excited about. I will say that. And as we've talked about this gear, I have a Steve Lukather series guitar. But, you know, and it's one of my favorite guitars. I love playing the thing. It feels great. It sounds great. But some of this stuff, like like the Morley Waz, I, I don't know who is going out there and saying, I have to have a Mark Tremonti Waz in 2018. <laughs> You know, maybe in 1999, somebody would have been excited about it. But, you know, this is 19 years later, 20 years later. Okay, I'm going to briefly run through what I did like, what I think I did was interested in. So, um, signature guitar-wise, there were two that struck out to me just because I was like, oh, that's cool. They are kind of underrated, and these these do look like actual good guitars so one of the things that i really did like was the uh, malcolm young signature gretsch and uh, yes. the, the kind of like it wasn't the falcon it's like the it's like the double cutaway les paul shape um really nice really just because it's so classic but it also looks pretty functional as well and i don't know if you got a look at the gibson it was like the john lee hooker 100 year anniversary and um, that looked really cool also pedal wise joyo I don't know if we've talked much about Joyo in the past, but they have a, a rechargeable pedal board power supply. I yeah. liked this. This was cool. So I have yeah. sort of mixed opinions on Joyo. Essentially, you get what you pay for. But this was a cool, innovative yes. idea, I thought. I thought this was really cool. And I, I'm with you on the Malcolm Young guitar as well. Uh, cool tribute and something that was probably long overdue. Again, you know, when it comes to signature gear but i think as far as a piece of signature gear that hasn't really been explored before this is it's, it's a cool cool little piece i actually i actually like that one yeah so um for cool. me what else uh, did you like I, I mentioned i mentioned the clifton guitars the other one that i was really impressed with was elliot guitars so i didn't really know anything about them but they have this they have a what they call a halo caster which has some specialty wound pickups in it and this thing sounds more country than Brad Paisley. Like, it's fantastic. Oh. Super flexible, great sounding guitar, really well built. Now, of course, this is boutique. We're talking about the $4,000 range. But if your choice is between yeah. Fender Relics Custom Shop and one of these, I'm, I'm all the way buying one of these. And, and that's the thing. I think it, it just it sounds more telly than a telly. It sounds, and it's just in the bridge position. Great. It's got a little bit of extra bite, so when you just really need to dig in, it sounds fantastic, super responsive pickups. And they also have an amplifier line. Again, boutique amplifiers running about 2000 apiece, maybe give or take. Um, great sounds. Again, hand-built in the U.S., you know, uh, for, for what that's worth, hand-built with what uh, I put quotation marks. What do you guys call them? Yeah. Inverted, inverted commas or something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're weird like that. <laughs> the, and the other thing, this is as far as gear is concerned, that actually I thought was an interesting idea, is the Valve Train um, by, or Valve Train is the amp company, and it's called Power Train. And it's essentially a power amp 
for your modeling amplifiers or your modeling your amp modelers. So your exactly. Kempers, cool. your Axifin, cool, cool. X, et cetera. So it's got 12AX7s and I think it's 6L6s. And it, what it does though is it adds a real like warmth and response that I've always felt you kind of lack when you're just going direct with these things. So, and you, you've noticed probably a lot of the bands who would promote kind of the Axe Effects line have started using more and more powered speakers, powered amplifiers, those sorts of things. And, and to push that through and whether, and this I think is, it's a 112 unit. So it's nice and compact. It's good if you're, if you're just out gigging. Um, And I think it's super versatile, but it gives you a great sound and it gives you just that warmth and response and kind of a little bit extra breakup. If you're looking to be able to get feedback, you're not reliant upon the, uh, the, the, stage monitors or something like that. So I, I don't know. I thought it was a really good idea. It's definitely been dialed in for that particular application. I'm not sure how it would sound as a standalone amplifier, but I think it works from the demos I've seen of it. I think it works really well and it's a cool little idea. So there you that have it. That does sound cool. Um, God, that sounds, that sounds class, man. Um, I, I do like that idea of, because that's one of the most off-putting things about getting one of those Kemper things. It's just like, what are you going to do with, you know, for the power amp option? So it's great that more options are coming out. Um, I'm just looking through my notes here and permission to rant about one last thing. Yes, only, only on. if maybe I can tag on to that rant. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay, we're just... <laughs> It's becoming our main subject. We might be ranting about the same thing. Fender wants you to embrace your inner voodoo child with its new Jimi Hendrix accessories line. Let the man, like, he's spinning in his grave. It's got, it's basically strings that replicate his, you know, type of strings with the the thin. Oh, jeez. And the purple coiled cable that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a picture of it and I can tell that is going to break. That is not good uh, I uh, just let him, let him rest in peace stop yeah oh god and um, that was just I was like oh that is just so cringe it's a cable take Hendrix's name off it uh, yeah yeah again I mean first off anything that we can actually produce now is going to be better than what he had absolutely yeah, so why are we trying to rehash that you know, now that said, I mean, if you're talking body shape style, you want to get a similar pickup sound, like that's, that's a slightly different matter, but the precision with which we could copy that sound is so much better. So why, why are we trying to, I, I, I don't know, and strings, like I, I saw this, the strings, you've got to be kidding me. You, you think the tone is in the strings. Huh. Okay. And, and one, one more, one more little rant on that too. As someone who's taught, for example, um, a whole lot, a whole lot of Hendrix, so much of his tone is in his vibrato and how he attacks the strings. It doesn't matter what strings you've got on there, but if you've, if you've got the attack, you'll be able to replicate the sound far better than if you just have the right strings. So yes. Yeah. That's okay. Get, work on your vibrato and your attack, then start worrying about what amplifier to buy, and then start worrying about pedals, and then start worrying about strings. Like, oh, okay, all right, I'm done, okay. I'm done, sorry. <laughs> you, you, you touched on a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to talk about it, but then you did, and now I did, and now it's over. And so let's move on. 
Thank you, Summer Nam, for the great things and for the ability <laughs> to, to, to allow us to rant about the things that we don't like. Yes, giving us that sweet content. <laughs> <laughs> content creators for the win. Woo! Um, so we are moving on to our, our title our title topic of today, which is uh, Favorite Solos Part 2. Now, we did this last time. We both picked a solo. Um, it based, this basically shows how different our influences are when it comes to guitar in terms of style, because I'm more of a uh, mainstream kind of... An, does alternative mainstream make any sense? Uh, I'm more of a <laughs> traditional guy. I like my alt rock and my metal and John would be, have a bit more of a, a sexy jazz fusion thing going on with also a bit of prog and gent and <laughs> everything. So yes, we're, we're, we're the original odd couple. And um, so we have picked two solos each and we're going to discuss why we love them, why they are our favorite solos. So uh, John, will I, will I, uh, will I introduce one of mine? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to introduce. Um, I'm going to let you listen to it. I, I pick one, and we we can we can go through. Okay, I'm going to do your first one here. So cool. Let's let's have a listen. Okay. Um, can I have a guess before yes. before we do that? Uh, is it Dimebag Daryl? It is, of course. It is. Yes. yes. This is Pantera. This is this is Walk by Pantera. Um, one of the I remember like it being in a Total Guitar magazine, like learn the riff, and I was like, oh, I wonder what the rest of the song sounds like. Blah! It's <laughs> crazy. I've been admittedly on a real pantera jag for the last two or three weeks ever since Vinnie paul died and just going back i i that solo i remember just if you see him doing it live he has this great uh he does a thing for a japanese guitar magazine where he breaks it down and does what he does but it's like it's like the two hand he does these two hand slides that i've never seen done before um the legato the legato and it is insane it's just like it just goes on for days and it's it's just it's it's so much it like i can hum it all it's not a pretty solo or particularly melodic but it is there's just so many sections it's so easy to break down um chris super did a lesson on it and you can just really hear that it's really playing for the song and one thing i love about pantera and i think i've mentioned this before is there is no rhythm guitar part underneath the um whenever there's a solo i think yeah. that's like a really really good thing that they do it basically there's so much space to fill out and the technique just shines and uh, like the technique has to be good and the tone is so full that it has to you know stand out as a piece of guitar playing and you know everyone from wes borland to brian may to you know Darren Malakian they all think that Dimebag was the man and he was and so I think that solo perfectly sums it up but now John what have you in store for me I will have a listen so I'm going to listen to your first one anything you'd like to say before I play it well uh yeah why why don't why don't we do it sort of lick of the week style why don't you go ahead and 
pick one. Okay. I'm much worse at this than. Okay, you know. so which you, you <laughs> okay, won't so. guess either one, but I can almost guarantee that. But <laughs> I love your faith in me. Okay, let's go. It is. It's that, a little that, on the long side, but no, I I like that. I I it, it didn't it didn't lag at all. Um, I want to say John Petrucci, but Petrucci Petrucci, but I don't think it is. No, no, it's not. It's Steve Lukather. Ah, oh, like that's okay. So is that that's not Toto? No, it's not. So this was an interesting thing. Um, in the rest of the world, he released an album with uh, Simon Phillips and a host of other like amazing session cats, um, sort of while Toto was on a little bit of a hiatus, and it was called Los Lobotomies. So, um, That's a terrible <laughs> it, it really is. That's Steve Lucas' that right. sense of humor for you. But um, in the United States, it was released as his second solo album. And, and it was just, it was titled Candyman was the name of the, why, I don't know. But anyway, but this track That's was awesome. called, is a Hero with a Thousand Eyes. And this solo for me, I was familiar with some of his Toto work at the time, but I had a friend who was like, you need to listen to this. So this is the first track on this album. And this solo just blew me away because it's unadulterated Steve Lukather. There's not, there's not a whole lot else fancy stuff going on. And obviously, like, the solo for Roseanne is great. But this, I felt like the phrasing's really good. It incorporates all sorts of different techniques. There's tapping. There's uh, some great legato runs there at the end. As he just kind of finishes it out. And, I, again, I, I feel like his melodic sense and phrasing sense is really one of the best in that kind of that world of rock. And particular that, in that that's generation what really of players. Yeah, that's what really stuck out to me about it. It's just with that kind of background, it's it's pretty much a blank canvas, you know. Like there's every everything else is held back, and it's at such a tempo where you could play really slowly for the whole solo, and that would work, or you could play really fast. It's just that really interesting vibe that's created by all the other instruments, and the phrasing was unreal. Like you don't really know where it's going to go, but it's it's really he is so in control. And so, like, there's no part there that felt, like, stale. He is just, like, playing to the best of his ability. But I heard the Music Man. I heard the Music Man influence. I knew it wasn't John Petrucci, but I was like, yeah, a Music Man. Um, 
I, I really like that. I feel embarrassed by my next pick, but um, go okay. for it. Yeah, let's let's listen to it here. Man, um, gosh, that's a tough one. I recognize it. It's not Alice in Chains, is it? It's not. Okay. A, a, a bit earlier. Um, any other idea? That's that's yeah. That's interesting that you should say that because it was a heavy band, heavier band, gone, mellow and sensitive. Um, that is uh, okay. So. Uh, disclaimer: I we've talked about Slash before. This is Guns N' Roses. This is Patience. Oh, but it's, uh, okay. Where Got they're all it. sitting around smoking and they're like playing acoustic guitars, and it's just like you know, uh, it's 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 lame, but I really like it as a solo. So for for me, this song was one of those songs. Like I, I remember, like watching we have you know Kerrang and MTV Two, and whenever this song came on, it was like I could play Patience. I could play the chords to it really early because it's like G, C, and D. Yeah. And then when I'd hear that solo. It's so slow and so unflashy that it was like something that was attainable. And it's actually really tasteful as well. You don't hear that many people bending like Slash does on that song on an acoustic guitar. Like it's, it's just very controlled and it, it really is playing for the song. And I remember last time, I don't know if I stuck in uh, acoustic solo the last time, but I don't know, acoustic guitar solos are they're a strange one when it comes to like you know, rock rock music um, and you could either do yeah. your whole pentatonic thing but uh, Slash clearly shows that he knows his chords in this one he knows his chord tones so um, that's what I like about it uh, there's no wah pedal either which is great uh, <laughs> for Slash no uh, Slash signature wah pedal on the <laughs> $200 um, cool alright I am going to load up your next one here and alright so I'm going to guess if the last I'm going to guess if the last one was uh well, I don't want to how to describe it, but it's like power metal or whatever. Uh, I'm going to describe this as it's going to be jazz or acoustic or something. Yes. 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 Okay, good. It's here. <laughs> That melted my brain a little bit. Yeah, so um, it is. It is a little shred. So it's kind of 
kind of bop oriented, hard bop oriented. Anyway, this this is the tune itself is called Olio. This is the opening track off of Pat Martino's Live at Yoshi's album. And cool. so if you don't know anything about Pat Martino, you should. So he was a fantastic jazz player, a uh, great guitar player, really well known kind of in the 60s and early 70s. And mm-hmm. then he, in 1980, he had an aneurysm and, oh. and it left him with amnesia and he had no idea how to play guitar. In fact, he couldn't even remember that he had a career playing guitar. That is terrifying. Right, exactly. So he came out of surgery and just had like no knowledge on how to play guitar. So he retaught himself how to play guitar. So this is after that accident. Um, what? Yeah, exactly. So he got that good twice. Yes. Yeah. So for those of us that have a hard time getting that good once, he's been there twice. So this album was in 2001. He's obviously a bit older. Let's see, what, what year was he born? He was born in 1944. So he's 73 years old uh, currently. But, you know, so he... Uh, anyway, this tune, Olio, it's pretty well known in the jazz world. It's a Rhythm Changes written by Sonny Rollins. And it's, as you may or may not know, Rhythm Changes are notoriously difficult to solo over quickly. And I think he just he just does it almost effortlessly you can hear the audience applause there at the end of this particular solo as he's just because he's just pushing that tempo just a little bit he's like right on the edge through that through most of that solo. this is the latter third of the solo. the first parts he plays it a little bit safer kind of gets into it and this last third he's just crushing it and just pushing it right to the edge and i think there's there's some great things in there one of the things i love about these jazz cats from this particular period is the fact that they're doing a lot of the stuff, the sweet picking, the economy picking, the shred stuff that everyone gives the metal guys credit for today. They were doing it 30 years before anybody else was. And that's one of the things I just, I love about it. And the tone's fantastic. And it's Pat Martino, who's an absolute legend. So that's, that's my take on that one. Yeah, I could really like. There are parts of that I'm like, if you like stuck uh, an overdrive pedal or like a heavy gain pedal on this, like this would not be, you know, it, this would belong very easily in heavy metal with some of those like just like just repeated phrases. Yeah, that he just like wails on. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Um, sweet. Okay, we'll probably do this again. We'll probably do favorite solos again. Because um, it's yeah. fun. Because it's fun. I like doing that. I like going through and I was like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not trying to impress you, John, but I'm trying to impress you. So, <laughs> so I yeah. love it. I, I do enjoy this. It's always fun. And part of it is too, I feel like we get a better understanding of the, the types of things that excite us as players and listeners. So I, I agree. Um, so John, what have you been working on? What have I been working on? Uh, a couple of different things. Some of it has been sort of uh, driven by students. So I've been working on my legato technique a little bit more. And part of that is because I've been helping a lot of students trying to play fast. And the thing is, is like your right hand is kind of, and maybe we should do a whole, uh, another episode on this. Your right hand is easy to get going fast. Almost anybody can do tremolo picking. The trouble yes. is getting your fingers to move at the same speed your right hand is. 
And a lot of that can be built up from legato playing. So I've been just trying to like grab a couple of solos. Alan Holdsworth is always a great example. Joe Satriani is always a great example. And just trying to pick apart, grab little riffs, little things that I can learn something from, pass on to other people and go from there. So it's, we're, it's improving my speed as well in the process. And also just how I think when you're dealing with Alan Holdsworth, you know, it becomes how you're dealing with the fretboard and how you're dealing with your own phrasing because Holdsworth is from another planet. But yeah. anyway, that's, that's been kind of my main focus over the last week. What about you? So for me, um, for me, uh, I got to stop saying that. Uh, so my, my time has been very precious, even more so in the last few weeks, because I've just been up the walls. But um, I released a single, as you right. mentioned. And a lot of my free time has gone into kind of promo for that or uh, prepping stuff for the EP to come out. So that's kind of where I would be playing music. That's kind of where my time has gone. But I have been attending lessons um, uh, from uh, a local teacher who is, is great. And to be honest, a lot of the lessons, I, don't, I barely touch the guitar. I just, he will show me what I want to learn and I record everything on my phone and then I'll kind of listen to it and I'll basically make notes afterwards um, as opposed to having to like write down what he's saying, uh, which is great. And I've just been, I suppose, just technique. I've basically broken it down into what I want to learn, which is um, a greater understanding of like theory over over chords and country playing and also like getting a good efficient practicing in terms of uh playing like two note per string and three note per string things and getting that right and he just he's he's told me about this whole thing about whatever he will always know which way that he's going to do a solo um he'll have some idea but basically depending on how many notes he's playing on the first string uh, if he's playing like a three note he'll always start in a downstroke and if he's uh, doing like a two note per string thing, he'll always start on an upstroke because of the hand position on the, the third note. So it's stuff like that. It's been really interesting to hear. Um, I am basically trying to make a practice routine out of what he's given me, just like taking what I, taking like what he's saying, I'm like, oh, I'd really like to work on that. And basically trying to do that for 15 minutes a day. But it's hard, man. Time is, time is scarce. Time is but, precious. <laughs> It is. Which is why uh, we started this in the first place. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we can waste more time doing a podcast. <laughs> we can procrastinate from playing guitar even more. But uh, when it comes to listening guitar, John, what are, you, uh, what, are you, what are you digging right now? Okay. So I went to Yvette Young and her band Covet was in oh, Denver. Yes. And uh, so we've got another interview coming out with her soon. So again, it's just me. So sorry, Dylan. No third wheel. Anyway, but uh, she was absolutely fantastic. Their band was really great. Great stuff from everybody. But one of the bands that opened for, for them was a band called Vasudeva, who's, I, I don't even know how to, how to describe them. They're, they're kind of in that math rock realm, but they're not, they're not crazy. You're, it's not sort of Dillinger escape plan or time signatures that are too hard to follow. But just really great grooves, really great sounding stuff. The, their tone selection was absolutely fantastic. And I just, like, that was one of the things that blew me away. It was a small venue, but between them and the sound guy, everything came through absolutely crystal clear. Uh, he was playing through, now, and we'll probably get an interview with him as well, but um, 
Corey is the main songwriter and guitarist's name, but I can't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his Italian last name. There's a whole bunch of G's and C's and I's and O's and it looks very Italian. So, but anyway, <laughs> check out Vasudeva. Um, I, I really enjoyed him. Great show. Great bunch of guys. Um, and I bought, bought some merch from them. And one of the things that I kind of, I thought was sort of cool was they had some tapes. So I definitely bought a tape because it was five bucks because oh, yeah. it's a tape and tapes are fun. So un- unless your, your tape deck eats them and then that's not fun. Then you have to try to repair it and everybody. Ah, uh, the nineties. Yes. But do check out Vasudeva. Um, it's not, not shred at all. A lot of groove, great melody lines, great tone, great rhythm playing. Um, kind of that melodic rhythm playing. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but I, I really got a sense of that and it sounded fantastic. I so I dig. That sounds, that sounds great, man. I, uh, yeah, Yvette Young, I'm really looking forward to it. So did you interview her? Mm-hmm. We oh, got man. an interview. So an, another kind of weird one. So I'll have to share our interview stories from the past. Cause it seems like every time I interview her, something bizarre happens, but yeah, this was, cool. this, this was a good one though. And she was absolutely fantastic. We'll get some photos up from the interview here this week. Quite uh, quite jealous and looking forward to that at the same time, John. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do tell. So what have you been listening to besides your own single? Oh, Uh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, No, I will never listen to that song again. Um, So I have been basically a bit overwhelmed with stuff. I'm basically trying to find music that I can listen to at work, but that isn't, you know, binaural beats or, you know... (laughs) soft acoustic jazz so i've discovered this playlist i don't know if you've heard of tom mish but he's a uk kind of jazz guitarist he's quite young and he has created a playlist called real good shit and it is uh 74 hours long wow it is a mix of everything but everything is so musical in it it's got everything from radiohead to mac demarco to really obscure jazz to a tribe called quest and like when I have no idea when I start the day, I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, because the amount of artists that I've discovered from it already um, is, is really cool. So, yeah, the playlist is called Real Good Shit. And it's uh, by Tom Mish, the uh, UK jazz guitarist. Um, yeah, it's great. It's almost a bit too intimidating because it's you could just get lost in it for hours. But uh, it's, it's wow. cool. If you're bored and you don't know what to listen to, I highly recommend I like it. I like it. And, and that's one of the things I like about finding those playlists is somebody you never knew, never heard of. And then all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole exploring all these other, the, the subgenres and the, the similar artists. And I, I think Spotify has, for example, has saved my ears from yes. boredom and, and just expanded a whole bunch of different horizons and allowed me to find new music, new guitar players, new songwriters. So anyway, anyway, I love let's it. Leave it at that. Um, we have a lovely interview next week with uh, Philip Joyce, uh, our local Irish guitar legend and uh, really uh, too nice a guy, man. I, I, I felt that, you know, someone that talented can't be that friendly. Um, but he was. <laughs> very surprised. Um, yeah, really looking forward to sharing that with the world. Uh, Philip is a powerhouse in the Irish guitar community. He's all, um, very well respected on forums such as GI. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get some more Irish listeners from that as well. Um, check us out. But, yeah, John, I suppose that, that's all we've got for, for today. We've both got places to 
places to go, people to be, people to meet. Indubitably. All right. So cool. you, you've got a tagline I think you need to say, and then we can sign off. Let's get drunk. No. Uh, <laughs> it's my Friday. I'm allowed to have. Uh, <laughs> stay sharp, my friends. We'll see you next week. <laughs>